Welcome back to another episode of Talking Classical. Now, earlier this year, I was very delighted to go and visit the headquarters of the Birmingham Contemporary Music Group at the CBSO Centre in Birmingham. Now, I'm sure that many of you will know that the BCMG is one of the world's foremost new music ensembles. It was set up in 1987 by a group of musicians from the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra and its founding patron was Sir Simon Rattle. And you'll hear a little bit more about the history and some of the values and the mission of the BCMG later on. Now, while I was up in Birmingham, I was very delighted to interview Nancy Evans, who is the Director of Learning and Participation, and Stefan Meyer, who is the current artistic director. I had some really fascinating conversations with both of them. We talked about what it looks like today to educate people about contemporary music, particularly the younger generation. And I think more broadly, um, what does classical music education look like today in the classroom and also um, outside of the classroom in extracurricular settings? We also talked about um, some of the challenges of managing and running a new music organisation. Again, more broadly, what it takes to run a classical music organisation, artistic programming, and also broader implications for culture and society. So I think that if you're interested in music education, or if you're um, someone who's interested in arts administration, what it's like to work within a classical music organisation, or if you're someone who's very interested in new music yourself, either as a performer or a composer or a listener, I think that you're going to find this really interesting. So I'm going to play both of the interviews back to back. I'll start off with Nancy as I interviewed her first, and then I'll play the interview with Stefan. I'd like to extend my thanks to Victoria Taylor for arranging this visit. We'd been planning this since November, um, so it's been quite a long time in the planning, but I'm finally delighted to present the end product to you. I'd also like to extend my thanks to Seb Huckle, who is the Executive Director of BCMG, and to Nancy and Stefan for very kindly taking the time out of their busy schedules to talk to me. Do you think that you could start off by telling me about your role as Director of Learning and Participation, where your role stands within the wider organisational framework of BCMG, what your responsibilities are, perhaps what a typical day looks like? Sure. Um, so I've I've been at BCMG nearly 19 years and um, the organisation has grown enormously. So when I began, I think there was only actually five members of staff, an artistic director, um, general manager, administrator, development manager, and I was the next role that was brought in. Mm -hmm. I think I was originally brought in as an education manager, but having been here a very long time and the work of the Learning Participation Programme become much more strategic and embedded into mm -hmm. the organisation, um, I'm now the, the director. And so I, I, I work with the artistic director, um, but I have a huge kind of autonomy uh, around the actual programme, uh, which is a programme that runs in schools um, with young people at the centre here and also 
uh, on and off, not, not maybe not so much core of the whole the, of the learning participation program, but also with the wider wider community involvement in mm-hmm. new music mm-hmm. as well. And I have a team of three. We're all part time actually. I'm part time mm-hmm. as well. Um, two learning coordinators, one that looks after our out of school and our higher education work, another who runs our school activity and then a learning trainee which is an annual post for somebody interested in both the administration side and the practical side of what learning a learning program within an orchestral ensemble might look like. Mm-hmm. So so you run various projects within schools as you said could yes. you tell me about um, the different projects that you have aimed at school children? Sure um, the bigger program is probably our out of school program okay. um, but at the moment because the funding for school activity is much much smaller mm-hmm. and also schools have less budget for this kind of work mm-hmm. that program yeah that program is smaller it consists of at the moment of one day workshops um something called that's my music which is for primary school children and then sound imaginations which is for secondary schools and they involve a composer and bcmg musicians working with a class for the day creating their own music the big the big driver of BCMG's learning participation program is composing, mm-hmm. particularly because that's a very underserved area for young people. You imagine you've got the music service, which is very much about instrumental lessons and ensembles, mm-hmm. where um, whereas young there is very few progression routes and opportunities for young composers. Uh, most most young people, the only experience of composing is within their exam syllabus or you know within within school. Mm-hmm. So a lot a lot of that is yeah, it's about bringing composers and of course so much of what BCNG is about new music, putting on new music, creating it, supporting the composers. In a way, I see my role as as kind of supporting the ecology of that, yes. the, the infrastructure further down, and you know hoping over time to change the demography of the of the composers that we are performing on on the BCMG stage, professional stage. Mm. And a big program we have been running, um, which is about school teaching of com- composition, is something called Listen, Imagine, Compose. Mm-hmm. And this is a partnership project with Sound and Music and Birmingham City University, in particular, Professor Martin Fortley. It started off as an action research project, and it was six projects around the country involving composers, teachers, and academic researchers and that each of those um, projects looked at um, the uh, different aspects of the teaching and learning composing and the findings of that which was quite some time ago um, still informs the work and it, we've now got a master's that you can do a listen imagine compose master's we have an away day that we run we have networks in the west midlands and in london trying to to look at those those issues around the teaching of composing in schools mm-hmm. which which is quite complex it's yes. um uh, it's that sort of idea of um how much or oh, i guess a lot of teaching of composition in schools can be very much teaching for an exam <laughs> and having yes. to tick certain That's boxes right. yes. listen imagine compose is really about how can we support young people's create creative composing yes. rather than pastiche that sort of painting by numbers yes, approach yes. to composing. So this imagine composer has been a kind of bedrock and of, of our work and a sort of base from which we've sort of developed the programme. Mm-hmm. We're hoping eventually to do a primary version of it. 
I was going to ask you how you address the compositional needs of pupils and teachers to enable them to teach composition confidently in in the classroom. I mean, has there always been a gap in the market for um, teaching composition in schools compared to, say, performance or music appreciation? And also, I wonder how many of the teachers are specialist teachers in music when they're teaching composition? So in primary, you would have your generalist um, music, I'm sorry, your generalist classroom teacher. Yes. Who may have had two hours worth of input mm-hmm. on teaching music through the, in their PGCE. Okay. You might have a generalist music teacher who has um, a musical background. Mm-hmm. They may be there asked to be the music coordinator where they um, look at music, the curriculum across across the school. Mm-hmm. So they may have, they, they may be um, a higher level of musical um, skills and knowledge. And then you also might have a specialist primary music teacher. Some, some of the state schools in Birmingham do have a specialist music teacher who only teaches music mm-hmm. and the young people come to them for, for their music classes. But even there, very few of them will have been composers. Mm-hmm. And if you think of and think about secondary, of course they're all they've all gone had a musical training. There. Yes, but yes. most of them you'll find were trained as performers, mm-hmm. not as composers. Yes. So this is this is why composing is one of those elements of the curriculum that secondary teachers and primary teachers struggle struggle with. Mm-hmm. And and I I wonder as well with the focus on contemporary music, um, that must actually free the teachers and the pupils up quite quite a lot because there is that creative element, there is that collaborative element, say, compared to the more traditional um, classical structures. So exactly, that is in some ways very freeing. Um, and, you know, thinking about primary school, it's very much about working with sounds. Often that's in response to um, other cross-curricular things. Um, but the problem, there's problems there because then it can just always be about sound effects. And okay. so, and so yes. the children in year one might make a, a piece about the jungle, and it's very sound effective, or soundscape we might use the term. Mm-hmm. And then they might come to year five and they still might be creating soundscapes. And the question is, what's the difference between the soundscape a year one might create and a, and a year five group of children mm-hmm. might create? Mm-hmm. So how how do you what's the progression in the compositional skills that goes on in that period mm, of time? Exactly. And then when you're talking about um, secondary school, in key stage three, the curriculum is often organised by genre. So a lot of the composition that goes on is attached to that particular genre, and actually young people don't often have the opportunity to do um, self-defined composing, if you'd like, or more free composing. Mm-hmm. It's often very much linked to the particular topic that they're studying. Yes. At GCSE, there, you know, there is an open brief, as there are open briefs for them yes. to respond to. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting. I've just been asked to contribute to a, a book of creative music projects somebody who was a very very influential in bringing composition and contemporary music into the classroom was, a, was somebody called John Painter and he wrote a seminal book about 
oh, it's 50 years ago, that's why we're doing this new book. And uh, it was a set of creative projects for classroom, very much bringing in contemporary music kind of techniques. And we've, oh, there's, an, uh, there's an idea to create an anniversary mm-hmm. version of this. Um, with another of these kinds of projects. So in some ways, I feel like we've almost moved away from what John Painter was encouraging, that very much contemporary music approach to composing in schools to more of a genre-based approach to composing. And um, and I guess I probably sit more in the trying to do the kind of creative music projects rather than genre-based. Of course, I come from a genre, we come from a genre with contemporary classical music, and you think that was very open. Mm. But for most children, that's something very other. It's not the music that they're kind of consuming on a daily basis. Okay, that's really interesting because um, I read some research that actually children are very open, um, if introduced in the right way, to accessing lots of different styles and they don't necessarily differentiate between styles. I'd agree with that very much at primary. Um, For a long time, as well as working at BCMG, I was also a musician working in early years settings. And a lot of my work there was around composition and improvisation with with very young children, sort of Mm -hmm. three and four year olds. And what I observed there was um, the children were just were playful with sound in a similar way to how a professional composer might be playful. They they were responsive to other people's music, copying, yes. adding things to it. They would ne- naturally create patterns. They would naturally create variations on their patterns. And, and I think if a curriculum was more based on what we observe and hear children doing from an early age and we built up composing curriculum rather than thinking um, well rather than taking a more of a top-down approach yes it would be much richer for for, mm-hmm. for that and I, I always say people should go and work in early years because okay. <laughs> okay. if you think about you know our, our visual arts we would put huge value on children's early mark making their early drawings yes. their own creative things and I just maybe because it's quite ephemeral sound that we of course we have so much opportunity to record these days it sort of disappears you can't take a picture home uh, well, oh sorry you can't take a recording home of your music in the same way when you I suppose you can as a picture do you know what I mean yes, yes, yeah yes. It, it, do you know yeah it's much easier to take the picture you've made at nursery home than the music <laughs> you've created at yes, home yeah I'd be really interested actually to learn about the processes that you take in order to design the learning resources for school children and I would also imagine that I guess going back to the previous question Mm. there's quite a big I would imagine there's quite a a large transition that you have to make in terms of developing resources for primary age children and then secondary age children and then of course you have GCSE and A level music which is a lot more advanced. Mm. So a lot of the resources, but not all, that have been created for primary teachers originated from one of our outer school projects called Music Maze. Mm-hmm. And Music Maze takes um, repertoire, piece, one piece of music from an upcoming BCMG concert, and it explores that with the young people and uses it as stimulus for creating their own music. And that's, I think, that whole thing about how you take a piece of music and use it effectively as a stimulus is a massive area, but a really, really fascinating one. Mm. For, for some time, I worked with Martin Fortley again as a researcher and one yes. of his colleagues, Victoria Kinsella. And we, we looked at how we how we took a piece and what what was effect, what was effective and what we used. And 
and it over to that's quite a while ago now but I'm really feeling the effects of that work together and what I find myself doing is often using more of a poetic aesthetic kind of idea from the piece yes. and then something more musical so I can give you quite a few examples there so say you take Cirrus Light, a, a solo a solo clarinet piece by Jonathan Harvey. In the programme note, Jonathan Harvey talks about sitting in his wheelchair and watching the clouds and the changes of light, etc. And then the actual piece has a series of about just five musical gestures that are varied and played around with. And use quite a lot of extended technique. So there you've got the sort of metaphor of clouds changing as a metaphor for musical ideas okay. changing. Well, um, but you've also got the kind of idea of sync, not using hundreds of ideas, but just choosing five ideas and creating variations. So it's a really lovely bringing together mm. of a poetic idea, but with a musical idea, compositional idea. Another nice example might be Elliot Carter. Mm-hmm. I think it's two, contro- two, two conversations in the controversy. I, might, I hope I've got that the right way around. Um, so that's not, a, you know, that's not an idea from nature like clouds, but the sort of concept of what is a conversation in music? What, is a, what will controversy sound like in music? At the same time, uh, in the, I think in the first, first few pages of the piece, he uses every one, it's kind of serial, he uses every one of the 12 notes in, in an order. Mm-hmm. So you've got serial technique. So the idea about, okay, so we're all going to work with a particular note group, the tone row and note set, but how do we then create conversations with those notes? How do we create controversy with those notes? Mm-hmm. And, and I've really sort of found myself into getting into this rhythm of, of the, the kind of conceptual poetic idea and then the musical idea. Or something from you know, a really long time ago might be Julian Anderson's Comedy of Change, which he talks about being inspired by the Galapagos Islands and evolution. And you've got a three-note cell, and if you imagine that three-note cell being an early organism which evolves, mm-hmm. again, you've got a lovely compositional limitation, which is three notes to work with, and a beautiful metaphor for how you might develop musical ideas and going back to saying earlier on about you know not using the kind of classical structures you know showing young people that you can look to nature you can look to clouds and you, you know music can be about so many different things and, and these things can give you ways to develop your ideas they can offer structures for you to put your ideas into as well going back to John Painter what was lovely about his book is it was a series of projects that weren't necessarily for children um, they were supposed to be kind of for all abilities. And I suppose how I try and pitch Music Maze, that you could do it at quite an unsophisticated level, but you could also do the same ideas at quite a sophisticated level as yes. well. You can imagine the, what a secondary somebody at secondary school, you know, working with three notes and the idea of animals and evolution could, could be quite different, but could be quite different from what a primary school child might do with that. But they could both work with that starting material, the same with conversation and controversy. Mm. There's, there's just the kind of sophistication of, uh, of what you do with it, really. Yes, yes. And I'd love to know, actually, how the young people respond to the materials, perhaps from your personal experience. I would imagine it's a, it's a great opportunity for them to really be creative, but also I wonder um, if you've had an experience where maybe a young person's life has been changed or given them perhaps um, helped them to develop skills 
um, that they perhaps wouldn't imagine that they would have been able to have done, or maybe. Oh, it's so it's so hard to kind of quantify that, really. You know, we, we get sort of messages from parents saying, this is our kids love coming to this. Yes. It's really helped them be more creative on their instrument. Yes. This is, this is the one space they feel they can be really themselves. Mm-hmm. We've had children on the autism spectrum yes. who, who've just come over and over again to these workshops again, clearly finding it a very safe space to make music. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the out-of-school workshops, um, Music Maze is completely open, so we, we have a huge range of abilities and experiences there. And zigzag again, is pretty open, but there is a requirement to play an instrument okay. there. But, but yes, I, I don't think it's, it's not for every young person, but for those young people who really want to make up their own yes, stuff, it's yes. a real, it, it, you know, they get really excited about it. Mm-hmm. It's often interesting when we may have a new influx of young people to say to say to Music Maze, working alongside those who've been with us for some time. You really then see those who've been working with us for, for some time, they're very quick to find new sounds to use their instruments yes. in, in alternative ways. Yes. They, they don't want to play, you know, their ode to joy. They want to tell you about the interesting sound that they find, yes. they found. Yes. Um, so you see it kind of like, like that, really. Yeah, there are sort of exceptional stories of, of young people who came along to our creative composing lab as teenagers. Um, one... One girl I remember who came along, she was visually impaired, I think nearly, nearly blind, mm-hmm. and she went on to study, uh, I think, composition at Cambridge or something oh, like that, or wow. Oxford, I can't remember wow. which wow. one. That's great, but I, in a way, the most important thing is about those young people having this sort of safe place to do creative music rather than interpreting the music of others. And having that, that empowerment, I can be a composer yes. as well. Just as they feel, I mean, what I really want is, is a child to be able to say, just, just as likely as to say, I'm a composer as I play the violin or I'm a violinist because mm, mm. that just doesn't happen and it's you ask young people this is what well documented you ask young people what if you draw a composer or imagine a composer what do they look like you know it's clearly male white probably got funny hair um, they live in a tower you know, do, do you know but there's still yes. that real perception and that's yes. something we're kind of fighting against all yes. the time yes and, and what about the musicians as well I wonder how they um, find working with the young people. I was reading um, a really lovely quote actually on um, the displays. I was in the entrance and I think it was a, a challenge and she was saying that um, tapping into the connections with these young people, it forces them to engage in a, a much more powerful and to develop that connection with, with the children, it forces them to engage. So, What the BCMG musicians bring to workshops is their absolutely fantastic musicianship. They can realise what's in a young person they well they can attempt to realize what's in a young person's mind for your secondary school students or that age group most of the time the young people are writing for their peers but to have somebody who can play anything that they write uh, who might say to them you know do you you know listen to these three different versions uh, which one do you prefer? So to enter in kind of into negotiations with the child about what's in their imagination. I think we can take, as professional musicians, we can take it for granted, oral imagination. 
but for young children that takes a long time to be able to kind of imagine those sounds in their head yes. so having someone there in front of them realizing what might be in their head or trying to get to that point that's the special magic i think which happens between our musicians and a lot of the original training we could say training, professional development that went on with the musicians when I started was much more around improvisation mm. than it was about workshop leading. Okay. Lots of our workshops are led by composers working with our musicians. Mm -hmm. And the role of the musicians within BCMG's programme is very much as a performing musician. Yes, they lead small group activity, yes. but they're often working alongside a composer. Um, so that ability to improvise and realise children's ideas, whether that's something the children is telling them verbally or a, a shape that the child has drawn, that that's where their real skill is there and that's how that real connection is made with the young person. Mm. And I, I wonder also because um, these musicians have, they're highly trained in this very specialist area of new music. Mm. So. Um, like you were saying, they bring this extremely high level of musicianship, which means that they are able to respond very flexibly and adapt as and where needed um, with, with, with the children, I would imagine. Yes, I mean, not all of them. Of course, um, one of the things about being a contemporary musician is that ability to just absolutely read the absolute detail yes, that's on a score. Very specific. And, and, and some remove that score from mm -hmm. some musicians you know, that's that's not a comfortable place for them. Yes. Um, and I'm very aware of that there are some musicians who will really enjoy those projects with young people. Mm -hmm. And there are other musicians who might take part in our learning programme in other ways, family concerts, yes. student playthroughs of, you know, university student playthroughs of new work. Yes. Um, but it's not everybody's thing. I would so, imagine. So, yeah, so they all have that absolute attention to detail, that repertoire of sounds on their instrument, that curiosity, but some will feel much more comfortable doing that without the kind of notes in front of them than others. Okay, and visiting BCMG only here for a very short while and talking to you that the future of music education, contrary to all of the stereotypes and also the stereotypes about contemporary classical music is very much in, in safe hands, would you agree? Um, it's, 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 work, it's, work, it's work in, in progress. There's, there's an awful lot going on in music education yes. at the moment. The new, this new model music curriculum. Yes. Um, there's been another recent report, State of the Nation, Gary Spruce and Ali Dorbney's report, that's their report. Uh, and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing project to make sure composing is part of that conversation. Uh, there's been a quite a shift towards um, music education being equated with learning an instrument, and I'm very passionate about uh, music, uh, you know, classroom music as opposed to learning an instrument. And I'm very passionate about composing, mm -hmm. and I think just making sure that. Those two things are very much part of the conversation, as well as learning an instrument, singing, playing in an ensemble. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be that on all sorts of different levels, that yeah, but those two things, playing an instrument and music education, are the same thing, but it's so much broader than that. Um, listening, composing, analysing, it's much, much more than that. Yes, so do, do you think that the model in terms of composing will need to change to incorporate all of those aspects that you can't simply just um, box composition and then you box your performance and you box your listening but perhaps they all go hand in hand with each other? I, I, 
I think, yes, definitely. I, you know, for example, if a child is learning an instrument, you would hope that within that lesson there was some analysis of the piece. Yes. There might maybe there was an improvisation on a on a phrase from it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the teacher then asked that child to create a little composition using the notes they had just learned or the technique they'd just learned. I'm not sure that happens all that much. Okay. Um, but that 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 isn't a, a that is a, a vision of how it might that that might come together. That's in your kind of instrumental lessons, but then in the in the classroom, yes, you would hope that there was some kind of practical music making activity, which involved listening to exponents of that particular genre, which then led them to have some free opportunity to do some creative work based on that. Absolutely, when the national curriculum was thought performing, composing, listening, um, appraising, I think is the other one, were thought of as together, interweaving with each other, rather than separate, discrete things. Do you think that you would be able to start off by telling me about um, the history and the vision of the Birmingham Contemporary Music Group? There's a founding myth, and the, the nice thing on this myth, it's true. They said on the booth from, back from Leicester, when Simon Rattle had been conducting a concert, Beethoven 3, and then they came back. On, on the coach to Birmingham after the concert and said, now imagine how endlessly exciting it must have been to have performed Beethoven 3 yes. for the very first time. Yes. And then they, they, well, they imagined and then that imagination took, didn't stop. And then they found the BCMG to perform music for the first time. And this is why they later, a couple of years later, they started the sound investment scheme to have the audience share this excitement yes. of performing music for the first time. And what, what does it? take and what does it need to 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 make it happen mm-hmm. and this is this well and the found me that this was back in in the 80s and and they found a pcmg 80 1987 and you know, now we're here basically trying to, to to still follow and doing the same which because it makes perfect sense and i think every every society is and every every, every group of people to have it very practical uh, uh, as well is is responsible for 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 the outcome to 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 continue writing music history. What are you doing as artistic director to further the vision of BCMG? Um, what is your what is your long term plan for BCMG? I think the music in the head of the composers is already quite a global thing, as is our life, as nobody would probably describe his own life in a in a good way, in a, in a way that makes sense. So I'm living in Zimbabwe, I'm eating Zimbabwe's food, I am a Zimbabwe writer, I'm uh, married to Zimbabweans, I don't leave the country. So this is not making sense anymore in our, in our, in our lives. And so, yeah, well, it happens that earlier, the, the global village, I think Birmingham pretty much is a global village makes sense if, 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 if no, you, you need to you need to be active to, to make to make sense of your global your live life in your respectively global village in the, that place where you are and then and, and combine this thing I, and i think to come back to the music uh, this is precisely what happens in the head of the composers mm-hmm. and i think bcmg is can be very very instrumental uh, to to make that happen on on stage and to con- communicate that to to audiences and, and yeah, 
all this Brexit blah blah and all, this, <laughs> all the all the all the challenges you can say and uh, it's 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 clear it's, it, Brexit almost uh, the challenges remain the same. That's the thing, yeah. And and, and everybody and BCMG we, we need to connect to that uh, to that uh, schism, yeah. To, to this chasm, uh, we need to, to give an answer. What this global village contradiction? It is this 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 contradiction in terms. Uh, what, what how it can make sense for our lives? And, and our answer is on the conscious stage, and 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 this implies a lot of corporations. I think this implies to new formats. This implies uh, new new lineups and and new. Uh, other musical traditions involved, uh, but it's only one thing, and, and I think it's, it implies all this openness and and all the all the outward looking, outward looking, and trying to stick to, in the same time trying trying to stick true to to your musical uh, uh, way, your musical heartbeats. I'd actually like to extend a little bit more of that idea. I suppose that the the global village, like you were saying, Birmingham's a very cosmopolitan. It's a very diverse city. So how important is the location of Birmingham in um, in fostering the work of um, the Birmingham Contemporary Music Group, and I suppose in in fostering that global village. Yeah. So, just touch base, uh, and I think Birmingham's are, are are good at touching base, uh, and, and like and, and being down to earth, and and uh, so the currently the uh, we don't receive any 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 kind of money. Anymore from the Birmingham City Council, yeah, so it's a it's a difficult relationship. Yeah. Nevertheless, I'd like to put a different uh, other way around, really, and, and say yes, of course, our, our life in Birmingham can be quite uh, showing the showing solutions. Yeah, helpful in finding solutions. What again? What it is it? To 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 define your life in your uh, global village, mm -hmm. and I think the experience in Birmingham can be quite. Essential and, and helpful in finding it, mm -hmm. but I think it's it's interesting to see that to to, to, to still see it as uh, as an opportunity, yeah, really. Mm -hmm. And and I wonder as well um, with the unique location that BCMG is in, I wonder if perhaps there are um, there's more flexibility, more um, opportunities for um, creativity and participation, say, compared to um, maybe the more commercial pressures of... I get what you're saying. I think commercial pressure is everywhere. And I think also um, you need to find every... every again, it, I think it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. Yeah? And I think it's also in our individual life. And, and I know it's our working relationships, it's in our, in, in our children's... Uh, Leisure planning, yeah. there's always so, so big commercial aspects and you, what I'm saying is you need to find your way with that because you can't find a way around it. Uh, you, you can't to, 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 to handle this really. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 I, I don't see such a big difference. I, I think this, you can't ignore economic pressure. Uh, money is money. Like you can't, and, and, and yes, there might be pockets and, and I think, but they, but, uh, there might be pockets, some more pockets in, in Birmingham, but uh, than in London. But 
I wouldn't derive of that uh, special uh, special gap or special special path to follow. I'm, I'm not sure okay. about that. Contradict me if I'm wrong. Where are, they, <laughs> where, where are the where are the opportunities in, in Birmingham which you don't have in London? It's so difficult. I mean, all the all the you could you think of their small space like uh, accessible, uh, cheap rent rates. Yes, yes. Is that really true? Mm. It probably is. Yeah, yes. but, but 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 but. I think. I think are you from Birmingham? Um, well, I have um, family who live in Birmingham, so yeah. I know I know Birmingham quite well. So I think that's what I was alluding to. I think because Birmingham's so diverse, and there is, um, you know, there is very much this element of diversity and of urbanity, I suppose. Um, maybe compared to the more richer cities, I think. I think that's what I was um, trying to imply. On the other hand, you have uh, uh, generally low, drastically lower uh, cultural uh, layer, see? Mm -hmm. So if, if I go around the city, I don't find these many opportunities, for example, where, where we could rehearse yeah? or we could, where we could hold workshops and then it comes down to that school and then of course, it's easier to go to more elite schools, mm -hmm. elite schools, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and then again, you don't what you, what you're not succeeding then is, is evading uh, economic pressure because go with the economic pressure and, and so to counter economic pressure, not so easy in Berlin as well, I'd say. So you say, but still, yeah, I, I mean, I'm new to the city. I, I would still okay. still still be very interesting. And, 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 Finding finding all the opportunities that, that they are there, but I think it's really more in the in the spirit. Everything has been sold. So many things. I mean, look at look at the city. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's all sold. It's yes. written in the it's it's written in the, the Birmingham Post in the newspaper. Yeah, like uh, it, 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 Central City, seventy five proprietors of ground, seventy three of those uh, legally uh, based in Cayman Islands. So where are they? So where? You know, so, so, so where? So, so yeah. Yeah. So difficult to to, to spot the cheap, <laughs> cheap and non-commercial ground. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How long have you lived in Birmingham? Um, well, nearly three years. I'm, I'm approaching three years now. Yeah. Okay. And Two and a half years. And what are your um, impressions of the city? Very nice people. Yes, a different atmosphere than in London and Paris. Well, part, partly more open and partly well, not not enough culture for me. Not, not enough. In culture, I don't mean like, uh, yes, of course, but every, every city in the world is, is not enough uh, contemporary music for me personally, yeah? uh, and, and, and on a drastical scale. But uh, I mean also culture for, for meeting points you could, you could meet. And then, of course, I'm referring here, really not enough established meeting points where you meet this scale of diversity. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I think it's 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 yeah Birmingham Museum Art Gallery. That's of course a meeting point where you have this diversity, but outside that could could do with a bit more. Mm -hmm. So as artistic director, then what are you doing um, with BCMG in order to to make those cultural meeting points? I suppose. <laughs> well, first I going around and and try to 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 make contact with neighbors really, and and and, and, and well, so others and neighbors in the city. Try to establish some programming which which could be interesting. Or else, I would invite this uh, the Chinese shing player Uwe, yes. uh, and then he worked with it. And, it, and yes, to uh, <clears throat> my personal satisfaction, but also to our excitement, 
uh, it, it did work, yes, and, and there were other people in the concert hall when he played, performed with BCMG and, and we had a, a bit some Chinese calligraphy workshops around it and, and yeah, there, there were, there were, it did work to, to connect with other, other people in the city. And so we try and do the same now in the Transforming Narratives concert, we call it Music in Dialogue, uh, Transforming Narratives being the overarching uh, title of a three years program from many cultural uh, institutions in Birmingham, which has just started. Uh, our, our communication is, uh, our contribution to that one is music and dialogue. We will have a concert on 3rd of July and uh, this will be with guest musicians from Pakistan and Bangladesh, but also from some local uh, communities. And there will be a pre-concert on Sunday 30th of June here in CSO Center. Mm -hmm. Again, joining music from uh, different traditions and then experimenting to bringing together these. And I hear about your very exciting project as well, involving um, uh, the performances on the canals yeah. as well. Is that, that was, um, Seb was telling me about that. I suppose that's another, um, I suppose, cultural meeting point as well for the um, wider <laughs> public as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's thought as, as, um, as sharing, really. Yes. And sharing the city and sharing, sharing your music with, a, with, 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 your, with your urbane aim, ambient, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to use a difficult name, but, but of course, it, it's, 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 the, it's, it's the feel of the need to, to, to go out and, and, and share with other people in, in a different environment, yeah. So, in, the, in your urban environment, yeah. Of course, you can, and I think it's, it's the task part. Of course, you can say, yeah, you lose them, uh, a lot of things. You lose the concentrated atmosphere in the concert hall. Yes, but you gain something as well. And 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 it's 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 what is culture? Culture is, of course, for its own sake. So you can can go anywhere and, and need some concentrated atmosphere to to join to to experience it. But it's also to see the serious things in the funny things, right? I think this is a cultural discipline as well, a cultural uh, uh, power of culture, which can, uh, it's cultural, uh, sorry, I don't know for different work. It's power, power it's cultural capacity really as well to, uh, to see serious things uh, behind uh, things coming across as, as leisurely or as, as funny or so. I think you can see that in the, in the in that idea of putting PCMG musicians on narrow boats and having three composers from different parts of the world composing a piece together for that situation. So you can project a lot of things into that. And could you tell me about the um, processes that you take in order to plan the programme each year? How do you go about planning commissioning new works? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two starting points here. One is simply your experience, so you read or you hear in concert, you read in the scores, or you hear in concert great music, and you and you approach composers and and, and get, try to make contact yourself actually with what they have in their heads, mm -hmm. what's in their heads, what in their thinking, in their minds, and whether that fits to to what speaks to you. And then on the other hand, we have the practical approach: what's possible, <laughs> and what's what's fitting with each other, what is what is. Possible, uh, of course, uh, being performed by the means uh, by, by BCMG and, uh, and 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 the means of BCMG are really broad, I have to say, and, and they have been 
stretched in, in any possible uh, direction in the past uh, 32 years. Still, this is an important decision. What makes sense to combine, combine what's pragmatically possible? And yes, of course, there's, there's funding aspects are not to be ignored. It would be it would be uh, not uh, serious uh, information without without that add-on. But of course, yeah, this is this is a challenge to make to stick to what what is really of interest. Uh, not only because of funding opportunities, but sometimes also despite funding opportunities. So I wonder then, how much does accessibility then play into your programming? Because there is that, yes, you do have to, you do have to reach certain objectives in order to, to get your funding. And perhaps there are, there are, there are bodies and grant, grant makers who perhaps don't necessarily have an understanding of what contemporary music is about. How, how, I guess the question I'm trying to say is how do you make that case for support? I think there's a lot of political correctness in answering these questions. I think there's a lot of unhelpful political correctness also going around. And I think there's, uh, there's a lot of solutions on the table already, mm -hmm. uh, which, we, which, we, which, we, which we need to implement, I think. Because once you, once you take the decision to open up your, your well, to come back to that global village, mm -hmm. I think if you try to take a stance there in, to this, to this uh, schism in, in, in our own lives, I think you have a lot of answers already, and then then it, it is about trying to, to stay true to to what what your I ideas are and what your ideals are as well. Actually, and I think that's this this sorry it sounds sounds a bit uh, over the top really, but but if 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 you follow follow this and, and stay true to this ideal, and then this this is what communicates really. I I think and and this communicates to audiences, communicates to not yet involved audiences. But let's face it, let's communicate also to audiences who don't want to be engaged. And so that's fine. And then, but it, it might communicate also to funders. And I think, again, not only in culture, but generally in life, if you turn to something, don't expect to have, if you grow apples, don't expect to reap corn. If you turn to be busy with colors, don't expect to reap pictures. So, what I'm saying is, we, we shouldn't measure our our results in comparison to other to every possible other things mm -hmm. that are going on very stupid ensemble i not recommend measuring a bcmg concert with a with a, with a pop concert mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think we, we I, I i think we should challenge and measure is and i think we are doing it every day with what we with the things we address and it's we should always so I have to be accessible and uh, reach an audience as, as appropriate and big as possible. Mm -hmm. I would love us to see a regular audience beyond uh, like 400 or so. Mm -hmm. Now we are now at 200, which is about okay, but it really could be bigger. And I think uh, there should be more regular audience to contemporary music, to BCG concerts. I, I, I'd, like, I'd love to see a regular, well, at least once a year, about 500. Mm -hmm. But then to achieve this, you need to be, again, you need to be true. I think first thing, true to be, be true to yourself, be open for your experiences. And then it comes to, suddenly you come into areas where contemporary music might provide answers. And this is what I mean with like don't grow apples and then might provide answers. Others wouldn't. 
Uh, you can you can perform well. Look at look at what classical music, for example, or look what pop music is is uh, continuously keeping busy with. And there's a couple of answers. Only really contemporary music gives. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't get get from this. And 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 uh, well, the answers which we we discussed earlier. I think like what what would be the cultural equivalent to the to all the to to all the successes and all the. Uh, Recent developments in, in sciences and and, 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 and and yeah, and how would that inflict our thinking and how does this inflict then uh, how our, our our culture and our musical thinking and and uh, so what if you think about how can we live together in, in this in the global village and come back to this again yeah? so, suddenly you find yeah, some 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 idea could be enshrined best in the next. Contemporary piece of contemporary music being played in a BCMG concert, and then suddenly it's not, it doesn't that doesn't sound really elitist. It does sound quite quite practical terms and quite helpful for for our daily life. I think the long answer is only due to the fact that of course that it keeps me it, it keeps keep, keeps keeps me awake a good amount every day yeah, to, uh, of time uh, to think how can I answer difficult questions with approachable music. Because that is music is approachable, so by itself it is, and of course you, you can you can uh, feel it and darken it, and, 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 and that this is what culture does. But then ultimately, it's it's it's, it's it is the definition is is approach to me. What do you define? by success in terms of BCMG? Is it about getting more um, people to your concerts and expanding? A simple answer, yes. Of course, music needs, needs audience, music needs excitement. And so, yes, we want, we want good audience figures. <laughs> so, easy, easy answer. Okay. I wonder how many of them are actually engaged with contemporary music, though. How many of them are actually listening? Audience, you mean? Yes. Yeah. How often am I in the museum? Still, I my visual senses keep this impressions. Also, if I'm not in the museum, equivalent to this in music, in the realm of music, I think it's still important and it still radiates into into the culture and into society. Uh, the times I am experiencing contemporary music. So only if I go once a year to contemporary music, it's still a big difference. Because mm -hmm. I don't deny uh, this. And this is what I'm, and why I'm putting it this way, because this is what I, I hear from many people. Oh, it's very interesting what you do. Oh, no, not, I'm not so often, because it's, uh, yes, dot, 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 because it's so difficult to, to listen to it and you need to be concentrated and mm -hmm. uh, all these challenges. Yes. Uh, yeah, but still, I think, it's so important that it is that it does exist, and 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 all, 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 only if you go there. Also, if you only go there once a year, it's so crucial. And and I guess it's an experience as well that for some particular audience members, it can be a really definitive moment for them as well. You would have heard the term re revelatory yes. uh, uh, once or twice. I think so. Yes. Yeah. It's what well, well I would I, I heard from from audiences uh, different audiences or different members of different audiences. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Oh, these are very kind questions, Anna. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Talking Classical podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the Talking Classical podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, where you can catch up with 
all of the previous episodes and you'll receive a notification every time a new episode is released. You can also follow the Talking Classical podcast on Twitter, on the Talking Classical blog and on Facebook and YouTube where you can find sneak previews of every episode. Many thanks for listening once again. I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next episode very soon.